You see, the difference between a hooker and a hoe ain't nothing but a fee. So hold your tongue tightly. Wish you could be like me. You're popping all that mess only to stress and despite me. Now you can get with that, or you can get with this. But I don't give a shit, because really, it's none of your business if I want to take a guy home with me tonight. Susan. None of your business. And she want to be a freak and sell it on the weekend. None of no, your, your business. There we go. Welcome back to continue, everybody. <laughs> That's how we do things around here properly. Uh, this is the Continue Podcast. It's primarily about video games, but it's about all kinds of things that you love and we love. This is episode 13. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and fresh off of a magic convention are my wonderful co-hosts, Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts, well, hello. and Susan Arndt. Why? Just why? Just why? <laughs> just... <laughs> Just, just a, is that a general why? why? Is just, that a response just, to something? No, it's just a kind of in general sort of okay. why. Uh, so why? Can I tell you guys something really Wait. cool that that happened at the convention? Yes. Um, uh, I don't know if I, I I can't recall if I mentioned this on the podcast or not, but uh, uh, I've been taking sign language lessons, and uh, one of the speakers at the convention is the only uh, fully deaf illusionist. And uh, I actually got the chance to talk to him and and use some sign, and uh, it was really exciting. That's so cool. I, 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 you've you've mentioned it on the show before, and I mean, you said that this was somebody that you realized that nobody else was able to properly communicate with in the scene, and now, yeah. like now, you actually have done it. Like, were you were you nervous? Were you? I was completely nervous because this is the thing, like conversational sign is really fast and the movements are abbreviated. So, uh, so my is still like, I, I tell people like the way I sign is the way you speak when you're trying to convince someone you're completely sober. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's how my sign is. Um, but, but he was, he was so, he was just so lovely because I, you know, I, I said, is it, is it rude uh, of me to sign when I'm still, still learning? He's like, I tell you, and he said, deaf, deaf and hard of hearing people will appreciate it so much imagine. that you are making the attempt. It's, it's really absolutely That's awesome. So it was, it was super positive this is experience. a weird question. And I, I realized that this might sound I, I don't want anybody to think I mean any disrespect by this, but does his act involve a, an element of almost a uh, mime? You know, is it more exaggerated than your? No? Not at all. No, uh, he, no, he, what's different for him when he does magic is he can't hear any audio sure. cues. He can, he can and does speak. Um, and but and there are lots of magicians who perform completely yeah. silently. Who don't who don't do any patter, uh, who don't talk. It's just you know. So that's that's not that unusual. Um, it's a little trickier for him because he can't hear to coordinate things like musical cues or you know, and he can't hear the audience react. Uh, and he has to like when he has the somebody come up on stage, for example, he has to read their lips while uh, while they're talking. Um, but other than that, no, wow. man, it's perfect, perfectly ordinary that's magic act. Pretty damn cool. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's pretty rad. I, I didn't do rad. anything that cool over the weekend while you guys were like talking to 
magicians and stalking them. And if you're curious about the stalking, everybody, you got to become a backer of this show. And there's an entire delicious stalking story that's charming and not creepy at all in the background. Yeah, it's a charming, it's a charming stalking story. Stalking story. Like, a, like a Hollywood yeah. romance. I, I, uh, I instead caught up on watching the current season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, oh, I'm because, sorry. Because Why? Like, like Dave Roberts and Metal Gear, I clearly hate myself for some reason and just keep doing it. Apparently. This. Uh, no, I kept watching it because last season was good. Not like, oh, no, that wasn't. was better. No. It, it finished really strong to the point that I found myself okay, that's... caring about people for the first time. That's okay. how they get you, though. Right. That's how, like... They, they get you. So this is a yeah. stra- this is a strange thing to say about this show, but I'm gonna say that this season is unwatchable, and I don't mean that it's unwatchable <laughs> because of the plot. The plot is actually really interesting and cool. It's unwatchable okay. because you can't see a goddamn thing that is happening on screen at any given time. The, the premise this season... Why okay, not? So the premise this season is that they are in the future. They are about a century... Oh. A little less than a century into the future of Earth. And... What? Yes. And it is primarily taking place on a space station in Earth's orbit. What the And shit? it's... The space station is supposed to be uh, a little shabby. Uh, think about think about okay. it. You know, it's not like that. It is uh poorly made. It's more like the underwater facilities in Soma. Um, they they're okay. they're yeah. old and not it's, well it's for. Utilitarian. Yes, utilitarian. And I, I, part you know this show is made for approximately fifteen dollars and a gift certificate to Quiznos. That is the entire budget. <laughs> <laughs> that's it and like every week just yeah, it's, it's every week they're like who's gonna get the quiznos gift is it clark greg no it's the chick with too much eye makeup um <laughs> oh god seriously but some of some of the way that they they sort of add atmosphere is to make every scene just pitch black like I'm sure that somebody was like, we're going to, we're going to have a nice stylistic choice and it's going to be grim and gritty. It is so dark that you can't see who's talking to who. What if it's just that that's the innovation of the future? Like Elon Musk, the third can't like dark rooms, uh, dark lights. (laughs) Yeah. They're called dark lights. It's like light, but dark. And this is what we do in the future now. And we all talk about it. Like ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you. (laughs) <laughs> An innovation in sight. It's called not being able to see shit. We've obliterated the sun. Uh, okay. Uh, it's a thousand dollars. Are you sure your TV just doesn't yeah. suck? So, I checked. I, I, I was, oh, I was okay. sitting there and I said, <laughs> All right, all right I'm going to just jack up the brightness. Because the living room television in our home... Is a you know it's a t- two thousand seven Sharp Aquos, so okay. it's, it's getting up in their right. years. One of its two speakers is blown out. There was the possibility that this was my television or the old HDMI cable for my Xbox three sixty. Something, sure, yeah. However, none of the other shows we watch are impossibly uh. dark. But I, I wanted mm. to give it the benefit of the doubt, so I, I looked on our other television. 
I looked on my phone, mm-hmm. and I looked mm. uh, in my browser on my laptop. Ah. It's an unwatchable show. They've made a show that's <laughs> <It's an> unwatchable. <laughs> it's okay. literally unwatchable. unwatchable. They unable to be so, watched. Yeah, I'm like watching the most recent episode last night, and Kate is like, "Do you mind if I call my parents?" I'm like, "No, but leave the room because essentially I'm watching a radio drama, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't infer. <laughs> I can't infer with Wells presents Agents of Shield." <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, I mean, not terrible, it's a good show. It's, I actually like the writing. The character work is pretty cool. Not every episode's that good, but I wish I could see anyone on it. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm, I, yeah. That's, <laughs> that is an unexpected turn of events, I have the to say. The Doom guy in Doom 3 would say, shit, man, it's dark in here. It's dark. it's hard to see what's happening it just it's interesting that they keep coming up with new and like ingenious ways to to screw that show over Uh, yeah like it's it's like it really is innovative (laughs) i i i cannot believe a that it is still on and b that it has improved so dramatically it's gone from something that i watched purely to hate on previous incarnations of this podcast. Like, I would look forward to talking with Susan on air about how awful it was. But now, it's not even like, I stuck with it for this long, I have to keep watching it. It, it legit got to a place where it was cool. And I don't know what they're doing. I don't know, it's a whole thing. Um, th- speaking of things that have evolved over time, uh, the Room series of puzzle games... Susan's Jam for many years now. Yes, there yes. There is a new one called The Room Old Sins. And when I saw that you wanted to talk about this, Susan, I was kind of mystified because I realized that for the first time, I don't know how many The Room games there are. Uh, This will be four. Is this only four? I thought we were on like six. I think it something. is, yeah. Yeah. No, no, four. no, no. No, it's four. Yeah. So catch me up. Um, I have, I have I okay. played very little of three. Uh... And I deleted yeah. it from my phone two years ago at this point yeah. because yeah. I, I that didn't about know right. what was happening. I was bad at it. Well, <laughs> it, it, okay. So the room, okay. So the, the for those of you who are not familiar, the the series, uh, the room. No, please don't make your Tommy Wiseau jokes. Just don't. Just shut the fuck up. Just don't. Did not stop it. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, uh, they're it's puzzle box games. You will go, go into a huh, room and uh, then you're presented with some kind of puzzle box. You flip switches, you turn dials, you do stuff like that. That leads you to the next either room or puzzle or what have you. They have gotten much more sophisticated as they've gone. They've expanded. The first one really was just one great yeah. big puzzle box. And that was, that was and 2013? Around there. Well, it's it's been it a while. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a minute. Yeah. And it started, there's, there is a story. It makes less and less sense as you go. There's an element called the null element and it, it fucks with reality. Basically, that's what it does. It's very, very Lovecraftian. Yeah. That's really all you need to know. Yeah. It's, it's, bad shit happens when people start, people keep messing with it because it's immensely powerful and then bad things happen and then the black tentacles come. Okay. So what happened in three 
which is my least favorite of the series. Uh, the whole thing took place in a house and you moved from room to room, the kitchen to the, the study, to the library, to the bedroom, what have you. And the way the game is set up, you will solve a bunch of puzzles in one room and then that will lead you to another room where you'll get uh, an item that you will need to take back to the first room to finish it off. So there's a lot of moving back and forth. And you just never knew where you were going. Like, wait, is the library <laughs> up the stairs? Do I turn right at the at the vase? I don't remember. And so there was a lot of sort of, oh, shit, no, this is the backyard. Okay, yeah. I guess it's this yeah, way. Yeah, well, like, where the first two games were very concise in the way yeah. they delivered puzzles, the third one was very much like, we're just going to make this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was very reminiscent of that. And uh, accordingly, I spent more, so much time trying to find my way around, especially and given this is a mobile game, you're not playing for five hour stretches. You're playing it for a little while, you're putting it away and coming back to it. You never really learned the map well enough to, to know where you were going. So what, the, what Old Sins brilliantly does, same idea. You're moving from room to room in a house, you know, the kitchen to the library, to the study, to the art studio but it's a dollhouse oh that's awesome it's on a that's table a great it, it and it works perfectly you get the ability to have themed puzzles in themed rooms like the stuff in the kitchen you're dealing with a stove and a sink and plates and stuff like that but you, to back out to get to whatever other room you just back out of it turn the dollhouse around and go now you're there it works so incredibly well, and it takes away all that bullshit navigation you had to do where you got kept getting lost. The puzzles are incredibly clever. Mm. They're so smart. I they were getting a little. I really feel like three. They were getting just a little bit too. I out thought it there. was really the, obtuse when I tried it, and yeah. I talked before about how that's not my sort of game anyway. But it, yeah. this one was just like I. This seems needlessly convoluted. Yeah, it was. It was just a little too abstract. This is clever and not the same old Professor Layton kind of stuff. But it also more clearly follows logic. Like you'll figure out. Okay, I need to figure out how to move that panel. That panel slides. All right. Oh, hmm. There seems to be a crank here. If I can just figure out how to power it, let me look around the room and see if it's connected to anything. It's like that. Really, it's it's so good. It, my opinion, it's the best in the mm. series. It's it's really figured out what makes that series work, why people keep playing these games, and refined how you interact with it to be just an ideal mobile experience. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Even if you haven't played any of the other ones, don't worry about it. Like, because the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This, yeah, this is, one seems very self-contained. It is. It's wonderfully self-contained. Uh, so I highly recommend grabbing it. Uh, it. And it's a really great phone game uh, because you just need to be able to slide things around. Uh, is the like the dollhouse thing? Is it? I, I always worry about dollhouse and doll-related things in horror. And I, I guess the room is more surreal. It's it's less yeah. horror than it is Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's not trying to scare. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's it, like believe me, I'm with you on the right, doll thing. Right. But there's none of that. It's not the creepy, scary dollhouse. It's just this is a model of cool. a house. I like that. 
let us move around this model of a house. Let us, you know, go to the balcony and stuff like that. So yeah, it's not uh, scary. There's definitely an atmosphere Ooh. there. Yeah, there, there, there's a really creepy like human model with like phrenology. Okay, that's creepy. All of it, which yeah. is and it's like staring at you with its dead eyes. That sounds uh, awesome. Anyway, but no, like. <laughs> Yeah, but like, th- there's no like plinking, uh, ring around the rosy music playing. While yeah, no scary it. children, <laughs> no clowns, no blood. You know, it's not it, it's not that kind of part. Cool. Yeah. And do you feel like this is sort of reinvigorated it after three? Is there gonna? Do you want more now? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, if this had if this had continued in the vein of three. I, I'm not sure I would be excited about hmm. five because it'd be like, because three really, it was still very intelligent. It was still very well crafted. It was just going in the wrong direction. Gameplay wise. Uh, this tightens everything up. It makes it just a really killer experience. So yeah, I, it absolutely has rekindled my interest in, in the franchise. Uh, and it's also a great entry point. For people, which, you know, because it's not called four, it's called right, Old Sins. Right. So if, if people want to jump in now, they totally can. I just can. realized that Fireproof Games has never put any of these on another, you know, on, on a uh, more traditional machine. It's always phones, right? Yep. Oh, yep. They're on Steam. Are they on Steam now? Are they? Uh, let me double check real quick. But, I, I don't... Uh... I'm pretty sure that the, the, they they've come to Steam usually after they hit mobile. Uh, they started porting them, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you can get. Uh, <laughs> I, I realize the, that this is the, a a uh, sort of beating of the dead horse on this show and every gaming podcast and everything even adjacent to video games in the year 2018. But if somebody put out a compilation of all four. Uh, room games on switch i would really consider that again i i would I, yes uh you can you can get the first two games on steam i mean right now. just imagine you could have it you could have it in portable mode where you're sliding everything around on the touch screen and then you could put it in docked mode and use motion controls like a pointer on the screen to slide stuff around you can have awesome. that idea there you go fireproof fireproof games. fireproof games that one's on the house that's yeah, Actually, they've probably or... maybe maybe just you know add to our yeah, Patreon. Get, get, That's all I'm saying, guys. <laughs> then you can hear about the just stalking. Then you then <laughs> you can hear about the stalking. <laughs> then you can hear about the, the stalking. It's charming. And then there's there's it's a charming. fifth room game called the room stalking at a magic convention. It would be <laughs> <laughs> you. I can imagine that demo at like PAX South. Somebody's playing that game. They're like, "This is weirdly specific." <laughs> why, why? Why is there a puzzle that's just trying to figure out how to walk past the bathroom and then walk back towards the bathroom? These puzzles don't make sense. That's, that's what they call a teaser, non-backers. That's a little. That's a little taste. That's that's a <laughs> that's a first look exclusive. It world premiere. World. Oh, world. I, <laughs> do you oh guys think? I, like, we know Jeff Keeley. We've been in the room with Jeff as he texts people, and, and yes, I wonder if that tweets yeah, out deals. I, I, 
And as he tweets, tweets out, out deals because he is Wario sixty four. Deals on Amazon. Yeah, he's got to get make that affiliate <laughs> network bucks. <laughs> Does he sit down with the production staff before the game awards happen? And he's like, "Look, when we show off the Star Wars Battlefront two story DLC, here's how I want it: world." All right, you want four was before saying world? No, no. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. World premiere. And then they just workshop it for an entire afternoon. They probably don't. <laughs> There's probably a meeting, but I don't think it. I don't. Think you don't he's think he's. You don't think W's. he's doing it. He's himself. Um, no. Really. I think. I think he's got enough taste to know. Bummer. Not to throw five W's on there. This is really bumming me out that it's not him. (laughs) Um, Susan, there's another game that you've been playing in the past week. Yes! I don't want to say the name out loud because I don't know how to pronounce it, and it'll be be embarrassing for me. It is the Battle of Polytopia. It's Poly... I was like... Polytopia. I was going to be like, is it Teopia? Is it Polytopia? Wait, wait. (laughs) Polytopia. 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 Yeah. So uh, I have always wanted to play the Civilization Mm. games. Uh, Very high quality games, right? Everybody loves them. But I, not growing up with a computer, never really had an opportunity to get into them. And I tried Civilization Revolution and I I was just overwhelmed. It throws so much information Mm. at you. it It was too much. And I stopped playing it uh so i but i i still wanted to try and play that kind of game so i put it out on twitter hey is there anything that's the equivalent of like baby's first civ and several people tweeted uh polytopia at me so i gave it a shot again it's a revolution the baby's first civ the console one yes yes i never did try that It's, it's interesting to hear you say that it's a very information dense just like the other ones it's, I mean, it, I'm sure it's not, I'm sure it's yeah. the, it's, it's the easy version of Civ, but. Yeah, it's very streamlined, but it's still, yeah. like, it's still Damn. Civ. It, the, the, the way I compare it to people is like, here, I would like to drop you into Persona 4 with you having zero knowledge of what a JRPG oh. plays like. Here you go. Yikes. Poof. <laughs> it's like that. I mean, it's that same kind of huge amount of information being dumped on your head. And if you're not familiar with that kind of game. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. I mean, that's just a lot to try and figure out all at once. And then, of course, while you're trying to figure it out, you're failing. You're screwing everything up. Anyway, so uh, uh, the the Battle for Polytopia is a mobile game. And it is Baby's First Civ. You pick a civilization uh, analogous to various peoples of the world. And now there is no option to... uh, There's no peaceful option. It is always you are trying to destroy... The the other peoples. This has been this is developed by one guy. Is this a, are you playing this on a phone? One, this is a phone game. Right. I am. Well, I'm playing it on my tablet, but it is you you could play it on your phone. And uh, you, you each civilization starts out with a already having one skill. It, they might already know riding or fishing or climbing or whatever. And you explore your map. You follow a tech tree. You. Increase your, your, you know, uh, your 
your civilization by taking over villages and increasing your population and farming and connecting roads and ports and all that. Meanwhile, uh, you pick anywhere from one, I think, up to seven other opponents. Now, if you if you want more opponents, you have you you it's the game will give you the first four. So at, at the game as bog standard, you can only battle up to three other civilizations. If you want to unlock other civilizations, they each each cost a dollar. Oh, okay. And then you can you can either start with those civilizations or fight them, whichever. And for just the idea of, and there's a, there's a goal number of turns to take, and uh, you know points to accrue and 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 all that stuff, but it introduces you to the ideas of a, a tech tree that develops your civilization. Like you you'll need to learn uh, mining, which leads you to smithing, which le- it, it, that helps you make a swordsman. If you also learned free spirit. That takes you up a different branch to chivalry, and now you can make a hmm. knight. So it's it it helps you ease you into that idea, at, while also teaching you about different combat units and how the ebb and flow of the game will go. As if if they have better skills than you, like if they've learned fishing and you haven't, well, fishing leader will learn. Leads to sailing. Sailing leads to navigation. And now you have battleships. And now they can attack you from places you can't How reach. How aggressive Shit. are these other... I'm curious about the sort of pace of this compared to sailing. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you can... Uh, that depends on the difficulty okay. rating. You can start on easy. And it goes all the way... If there's easy, normal, hard, and crazy hard. <laughs> <laughs> And they are, I, I tried on hard. I had a good round on normal and thought, oh, this game's pitched too easy. Let me try playing on hard. That lasted, I think, seven turns. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me just walk that wow. back. Um, yeah. yeah. So for a, I, I, I believe it's free uh, to play unless you want to, you know, cough up the dollar for an additional civilization. There may be a small nominal fee to start, but it's an extremely inexpensive and accessible way to try out that kind of game. If you've ever wanted to and and found yourself just overwhelmed uh, trying to figure out how to get into civilization. Do you think you would go back to civilization or at least civilization revolution now that you get the fundamentals or, or is this like scratching that itch for you? I know what it, I would definitely, because I have Civ Rev for, uh, the DS. So now yes. I would definitely give it a shot. I would for have, sure. Oh God, and it may still be too much. I don't uh, know. Civ, Civ on a DS, no matter what version, that, that interface has got to not be great at this point. I will mm. say Civ Rev on the DS is probably one of the better, at least before they ported the game to like mobile mm. devices. That was actually really Oh, that's right. They did. Yeah. Um, Civ, Civ Rev 2 is on iPad right now, I believe. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The DS, the, the DS version of the first game is basically, it's the same game, just with 2D <laughs> graphics. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I have a sort of complicated relationship with Civ. I, I had the exact same moment that you did, Susan, where I, I looked at it and thought, that looks really fun. I want to try and get in there, but it's very complicated 
And this was around when Civ Revolution came out 10 years ago. And so uh, uh, one of my roommates at the time, this is back when uh, I still lived with uh, scumbags uh, in our mid-20s as opposed to uh, the most patient woman on the planet. And uh, one of my buddies was a, a hardcore Civ player. He's that kind of guy that's just like, Civ, Bethesda games, wow, nothing else. And gotcha. Uh, we, there was a holiday weekend and we were like, we're going to do it. We're going to you're going to teach me Civ. We're going to play multiplayer Civ three. And we sat down. We, we made a little local network and we started playing at 8 a.m. Uh, on Saturday morning. And when we stopped at 7 p.m. on Monday, I said, I can never play this game again. because i've been playing for two and a half days straight (laughs) it is so that's why i asked about the pace of politiopia um because because civ is so it's you can't call it slow because something is always happening but it is so sort of mesmerizing in its steadiness that I I just I I, I recognized it as dangerous to my well being, and this game sounds like you can sort of play it in smaller bursts, and it's it's fine. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the more civilizations you're playing against, the bigger the map ends up. But you can, if you just, because you can just play against one other civilization mm. if you want to uh, so at, which keeps things you know nice and small and contained so you could have a match that's completely over in that's a half awesome. hour wow all right yeah <laughs> now now i'm like what what could it hurt man try around <laughs> oh no world, it'll feel real good you'll enjoy it start tapping your just, wrists just try it um I need I need something that is playable in short bursts because the thing that I have been playing in the past week is not a concise game in any way, shape, or form. So I've been playing the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for Switch. Yeah, the Susan, the Susan Ward. Ward. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So I, I, I was thinking about our conversation from a couple of episodes ago about nice games and Mm -hmm. i realized that there is a sort of kissing cousin to the nice game genre that i love and much much as we discussed like sometimes you need a nice game sometimes i need a stupid game you need a trashy game trashy i need a game game that is super dumb and the thing is is people act like xenoblade and especially Xenoblade 2 is a great, smart, masterpiece game. And when you turn it on, it seems like it's trying to fool you into thinking that. Like, this is... Yeah. <laughs> this is... Yeah, that, that's what I said, like, when I talked about it, I think, before we broke for the yeah. uh, holiday. was like, I, I like it. It's something that I can play that makes me feel smart, but I don't have yeah, to think. Yeah, it, it acts like it's going to be some kind of prestige thing. But it is so dumb. And just, just so so dumb, dumb, and I love it. I can't believe I love it. It's, it's kind of, 
I, I realize this is a, a regular refrain. You guys are sick of hearing it, but it's sort of an anti-Breath of the Wild. Every single thing that you do in this game is worth your time in some kind of mechanical way. So, Susan, how much did we explain about what Xenoblade 2 is at a premise level the last time we talked about this? Oh, gosh. We didn't Uh, really get into it that deep. I don't think we did. I think Dave just said it was, you know, anime bullshit, and it was exactly what he wanted, because it was stupid, and... (laughs) And, and, and the lady is a sword. And the lady is a sword. And the la- that's right. it, right. Number right. one, this, the, the, the two main characters who are a young man who is a scavenger and the woman who is also his sword, this guy's going to have sex with his sword. I'm only 10 hours into this game and I know it's a 100 hour game, but there is no way they are writing themselves out of the corner that they've written themselves into at this point where he has sex with his sword. Uh, so in this in this world, here, here's your premise. The premise is uh, everybody used to live on a big tree and the tree is giant. It's super big. And it's coming out of the ocean, but the ocean is clouds, and below it is poison, and the wreckage of old worlds is below the clouds, and everybody got kicked off the tree at some point, because the creator of existence was like, get the fuck out of this tree, and then they all went down to live on the clouds, people can't live on the clouds, so there are giant monsters, think like continent-sized Pokemons. And people live on giant continent-sized Pokemons. It's rad as hell. Like, it sounds... It's stupid, but, like, once you strip away all of the words that describe it and just look at it, it's just really Yes, cool. it is It is delightfully stupid. And every... Si- yeah. Okay, hold on, okay. hold on, hold yes. on, hold on. So I tried Xenoblade Chronicles. Yes. Which is yes. terrible. It's a terrible um, game. It's, oh. not, it's not great. <laughs> oh, I thought you I liked it. hate Xenoblade Chronicles and Xenoblade Chronicles X. I I hate those games. Oh wait, wait, which one was That's on the Wii X. U? That's Xenoblade Chronicles X. X. Okay, X was a big play to David Roberts. Fine, yeah, a really cool world with like the blandest story. And it was an time. Anthony John Hello just... rage. I'm gonna break my controller in half because who who made this awful garbage? <laughs> It okay, okay, okay. Because I I started playing that because everybody was talking about it. Nobody would shut up about it, and it was just, it was a whole. <laughs> it was very Taco yes. Bell. It was yes. a whole lot of nothing very yes. good and and needlessly endlessly complex. Like the the most yeah exactly the, yeah the most confusing UI in history an armor system yes, the, where okay. you have to decide on the armor for every single individual finger not just arm yeah, armor yeah. you have to be like well your pinky ring uh, needs to be a plus two fire now customize the color on your wristband that goes with that pinky ring and the arm plate above that it, it, fuck that game I hate that game so much. <laughs> This, so remember when you were playing Xenoblade Chronicles X, Susan, and you thought to yourself, you have a giant world. Why won't you let me go out there and do something interesting? <laughs> you, you, you got the I, dinosaurs around and stuff, right? No, my, my thing was just like, I have to press how many buttons to do the simplest goddamn right, yeah. thing? 
All that's mm-hmm. all no. all of that it, it feels as though a different team made this game compared to that game. Uh because okay. it, it, it has right. the same sort of sprawling feel to the world, but because all of the territory is broken broken up into you're on a living creature's back. So this town okay. and these mountains and this forest it, it, there there are necessary and logical boundaries placed on where you are at a given time in the game. Eventually, it does sort of open up, and you get to travel between the different continent creatures, and it's it's mm-hmm. much more... Continent right, creatures. I don't know. There, there's a dumb anime bullshit name for them. Of course. Of, <laughs> uh, course. of course there is. But there's a... Like, that's, that's one of the best things about this, is that there's a dumb anime bullshit name for it everything in this world but whereas in other oh wait are we talking like Lassie? no 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 there's no not there, that bad the, lightning okay. never shows up and stares contemplatively at anybody in all of the ways actually it's very good that you brought up final fantasy 13 in all of the ways Final Fantasy XIII is up its own ass about its story, Xenoblade Two is just like, nah, dog, doesn't matter. Why? Yeah, just like, yeah. Why? Why can dumb scavenger boy and his sword girlfriend jump high into the air and swing what is essentially a building name of made of fire at somebody who's trying to stop them from I don't know buying a book? Doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. It's just happening. Go with it. Why is a Welsh cat girl hanging out with a lion who has a British accent, and one second they're cool, and then the next second they're not, and then the third second they're they're doing weird comedy beats? Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. Just go. Just go. Why does a Porg's robot maid assistant have a mini game that you play to earn new items to level up her equipment? Shut Doesn't up! Matter. Just play the game. Just <laughs> just go, go with have it. fun. Huh? And no, no, it's not a mini game to level up a Porg. A Porg in overalls. Picture that. Picture a Porg from Star Wars Eight in overalls making a maid robot, and then. You have to play a 1980s arcade game. <laughs> you play down. It's basically yeah, down. You have to, like a crappier version of You have to play like a, a 1981. Maybe that's why they got yeah. Moppin, uh, the guy who made Downwell, so they could have him make a new version of that game. There you example. go. Yeah. It's it's just. it. And inside of all of this, the plot is a basic. And interesting enough in its simplicity that you're constantly compelled forward. Here, the the beginning and the end of it is you you meet this woman who becomes your sword because in this world there are people who are basically Pokemon masters. Not everybody can be a Pokemon master though. You can't catch them all. But instead of having cr- uh, small critters in balls, you can touch rocks. And that rock will turn into a living person who is also a weapon, but like has free will. They sort of. Dr- dr- <laughs> yeah. If you're thinking this sounds stupid, um, you're right. Uh, okay. All right. Cool. Did, cool. Is what I just said sounding stupid? Good. You get it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Get it. Right, then. Um, 
Yeah, it, uh, at any given time, Dave, you said it really well. You press buttons and you feel smart for having pressed them. Um, <laughs> that is absolutely true. But the the plot is just <laughs> charming enough and the characters are just charming enough that you constantly want to just keep doing it. Yeah, it's it's really just, like, it's, it's nice. It's whimsical yes. in a way that, like, I was not expecting. Because, like... Xenoblade Chronicles 1 was, like, I I like those games more than you, but I even I was just like, okay, I don't want to hear this this guy say it's Ryan time one more time. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. And <gasps> Wait a minute, is that, no, that's why I stopped playing a different game. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, and it just, like, it, it's one of those games where, like, it felt like the worlds were big just for the sake of being like, look how big of a game we can make yeah. on the Wii. Whereas this, like, they took everything that they learned from those two games, from Chronicles and X, and just cut out all yeah. the garbage. And it, it just never, it never kicks you in the genitals for trying to have fun. Uh, which, in a game of this sort of scale, is something that I always find very galling. You know, um, I, again, you know, a sort of a Breath of the Wild, where you you tr- solve this ridiculously difficult puzzle... And then you walk outside and you fall off a cliff and you're dead. And you, you've lost that progress or you get an item and it breaks within five seconds. In this... Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You can solve a puzzle in Breath of the Wild and it doesn't autosave? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? Fuck that game. Forever. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay. But like okay. this, a, a perfect example... At any given time, it's it's very Final Fantasy twelve in its construction of the world. So if you're wandering around, there will be enemies that are you're level nine, and there are enemies that are level ten. But if you walk ten feet to the right, there'll be like a level eighty seven monster, and it's just there because it lives there. Don't engage it. But if you choose to at any given time, just pick a fight that either. You think, oh, well, maybe I've leveled up enough or maybe my strategy is good enough that I can take this high-level monster or I'm going to try this quest a little early. You'll go over the hill, go do the quest, and just get smoked in seconds by whatever this creature or you can fight, like, other parties of people. Not played by human beings, but just sort of other characters like your characters. And if you get your just ass handed to you, the game will just immediately send you back to the nearest town or landmark that you were near. No loading screen, no elaborate death scene. It's just like, no, you you got your butt kicked. Go back over here. Try again later. It's just... Yeah, you don't have to pick up your resources or your experience points or... Nope. You, you don't lose durability on your weapons. It's just like... And okay. just super, super thoughtful. And this is this is the most beautiful thing in the world. I can't believe it's the first game that I have played that does the... It's the thing that I want every Japanese role-playing game to do. You can turn off just the voices for the battles. People will still talk in cutscenes. People will still talk in the general world. But you don't have to hear somebody be like, Fire sword! Fire sword! Fire sword! Oh, praise Jesus. And and again, there's no... (laughs) You could go to the menu, 
turn off a voice setting, and then just immediately back out to the game. No loading, no saving your progress, no saving your settings. It just does it. Does it in the background. You just get back to doing stupid anime stuff while the guy and the girl head towards their inevitable sexy sword times. It's so good. I can't, I, it's the last game in the world that I thought would be good. The last one. But it's lovely. I, I cannot, even for you, Susan, who, who is poisoned by the very thought of anime nonsense. <laughs> I, okay, wait a minute. Hello? My, don't, my no, favorite don't, game... don't say it. Don't, because Persona does not count at all. Why? Persona doesn't count as anime nonsense because Persona just exists in its own universe at this point. Yeah, oh, it's okay. Persona is its own. All Persona, right. the ent- Shin Megami Tensei is its own genre. <laughs> like, you can't... It, it, it would be like counting Twin... If you're like, oh, you like detective fiction? You should totally watch Twin Peaks. It's great detective. It's great uh, detective uh, story. Okay, <laughs> like, all right, okay. Persona, it's a solid so argument. It's own, its own animal. Uh, this okay. this does... I made the joke that Xenoblade 2 is my favorite Toonami show. And, it, <laughs> and, and that's the best frame... Yeah, that's yeah. the best point of reference. If you can imagine a, a 1980s or 1990s serialized cartoon where you're just... Like Thundercats, even. Where were you thinking mm-hmm. to yourself, this is better than it has to be. I'm going to keep watching and see where it goes. But if you think about it too hard, you're like, this is super dumb. That's what this is. And it's it's just wonderful. <laughs> I, I'm Yeah, I, and the, God, the music, the music's too. Music's out, out, out of control. Like, Yasunori Mitsuda uh, knocked just it out of the park. It. Just kills it. Yeah, the best music it's he's really, done in I also love the 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 feeling of running into the creatures in the overworld that you fight. When you first get to this large creature continent that you get to explore, there are these sort of giant wolf cats. Like, they have the body of wolves, but the heads of cats. <laughs> Okay, like five people are gonna get that joke. Oh, wolf cats! <laughs> Anybody who wants to record themselves doing their best Robert Smith imitation and then send it to us on Twitter, that's twitter.com slash continue pod, we will watch it. <laughs> that's what we'll do if you do it for us. Oh, but you know they're they're God. okay. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. There's wolf cats. There are there are wolf cats wandering around, right when you get out of this forest and are on the first big plain, and then you see off to the side that there's a sort of giant rock on a small hill, and there's one wolf cat that's just chilling on top of it, like with his paw, like lying down. And the game, I, I, I admire the tutorials in this game so much because they're so non-invasive. It's never like, oh, here are 90 menus that we have to go through before you can do this one cutscene. When the game needs to tell you about something, a small window will pop up and be like, hey, 
we haven't talked about the fact that there are special monsters. So you see all the wolf cats, but that up there is a singular wolf cat. He's got his own special name, and he'll kick your ass if you try to pick a fight with him. But when you're a little stronger, go pick a fight with him, and you'll get special stuff for fighting the special one. Anyway, we'll tell you more about fighting later, and then the tutorial ends. No menu, no ridiculous thing to pour over, and he's just sitting there, and you're like, am I going to try and beat the crap out of him? No, I'm not, I'm not going to beat the crap out of him. And you just sort of follow the story, but a couple of hours later, the story will naturally just lead you back oh. to that plane, and all of a sudden, I like you're that. level 12, and that wolf cat's sitting there, and you're like... I'm going to go try to kick the shit out of that wolf cat. And like a special <laughs> battle song that it only plays nice. when, you're, when you're fighting the special monsters will start playing. And, you know, you feel like a dumb anime star. It's great. It's so good. Er yeah, everybody should play this. <laughs> if you have a Switch and uh, way more hours than you know what to do with. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's it's a never-ending game. It is the opposite of Politopia. Uh, oh my god. And <laughs> that it just never ever it's, ends. It's not Vulcan, dude. It's just Topia. There's no apostrophe. Politopia. <laughs> oh my There's god. No... Politopia? Sounds oh like a delicious god. rice snack. <laughs> I was going to say, like, are, you, are you at a Russian yes. restaurant? What are you... I want... Oh. I want... Can we just move on to what Gasp Dave's playing? Politopia and Gaspacho and Politopia. Uh, Dave Roberts, you have been playing yes. a delicious, delicious, delicious game called Iconoclasts. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I remember hearing about this game from before my nine-year-old daughter it's was crazy. born. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So, this guy uh, goes by Konjak. Um, was it Joaquin Sandberg? Mm -hmm. I believe his name. his name is. Uh, he, he, he does, he, like, he's a really great pixel art animator. Like, that's been his thing, just making games that look like stuff that you remember the SNES looking like, but, like, would never, ever run on a, on a Super Nintendo. Um, and he was, like, he just, he would post these, uh, GIFs every now and then of this game, this idea that he was tooling around with which was like a, a Metroidvania-style game with just, like, the coolest character art, like, the brightest colors, amazing animation. And he was just like, some ideas I have. I don't know if I'm going to make this or not. We'll see. And and I think, like, like, everyone was just like, no, you need to make this. Like, it just, it looks so good. We love it. We love what you're trying to do. Make it. And it, it kind of sat on the back burner for a little bit, but then... I think it was like seven years ago when he actually started developing that game in earnest. And this, the final product feels like a game that has been lovingly crafted and poked at and tweaked until it's absolutely mm -hmm. perfect for like a decade. Um, so I, it's to call it a quote unquote Metroidvania is reductive as a like just generally as a genre yeah it game. doesn't it um, doesn't have a sort of single place that you go you are you are exploring right. it is 2d you are jumping up platforms right. you are shooting enemies uh with missiles and lasers and stuff yeah but it never it never the, really has that sort of flowing 
from place to place to place yeah. feel that a, uh, a Metroid style game. But would. it it does evoke some strains from Metroid Fusion and mm. Zero Mission, which I'll get to in a little bit. But um, so yeah, you play as a girl named Robin. Uh, she uh, lives in this weird world. It's just it's bizarre. Like the continents con uh constantly shift and change place. Uh, because there are these, like, world spines that exist underneath it that just move stuff around, so any attempt at making maps is pointless. Uh, and, of course, there's a character who's made it his life goal to chart the world. Uh, so, and you live in this in this world where the government, uh, it's called One Concern, is the name of this, like, sort of government not really a corporation, but they're like an organization, this, this sort of, uh, all encompassing. Yeah. It's religious. It's, it's, that, it's a church. Yeah. It's very religious. I mean, like, yeah, the, the name of the game is iconoclast, which is someone who destroys religious iconography, uh, which is apt because that's basically what you're doing. So you live on this farm that has been your job assigned by this religious, dogma like they basically say like every person has a job this is what you do any deviation from that job and you'll die we will kill you because it is a sin to do so uh the thing is is that you have felt this desire to be a mechanic for your entire life and you've hit it um hit it as best you could you still dabble and try to help people out when they need it uh, because there's, like, been a, a, a supply shortage of ivory, which is, like, the energy that this world uses, and just everybody's stretched way too thin, so housing projects are going unfixed, so you're just like, look, I can I can do this, it's fine, don't worry about it. So you're, like, sneaking around trying to help people, and it starts out, like, the music's very cheery, everything's fine, oh, what's this noise over here? So you go and investigate it, and then eventually um, you try to help your brother with some problems that he has around the house with your little mechanic wrench and the agents of uh, one concern find you and blow up your family's house. And you are now basically persona non grata and are being hunted by this organization. And you think your entire family, uh, like your brother and your sister-in-law and your niece or your nephew are all dead. And uh, it's a very dark turn very quickly in the game, but the game really dips between like this sort of charming cartoony exterior and some really heavy themes very well. Well, it has the feeling um, of classic uh, children's literature. Like it, it has, yeah. it has that air of like a, like a Don Bluthian, like not afraid to get a little dark, even though yeah. everyone's still like, but all kinda, ages, it feels, kinda, it feels very, very yeah. approachable to anyone. And not just, not just tonally mechanically. It feels, it has the yeah. look of, you can almost hear some jerkus on a demo uh, show floor session being like, we're trying to appeal to the hardcore gamer. And it, it looks like it's doing hardcore gamer stuff. Uh, there are boss fights yeah. that look very similar to, you know, not just Metroid, but Contra and stuff like that. But you, yeah. they're not super demanding. The controls are very forgiving. A lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, not in a simplistic way, but a very good sort of approachable way. Yeah. And so, yeah, so you're basically, you're navigating these worlds, uh, meeting new characters, uh, trying to defeat this organization. And uh, it 
on its face, it feels very much like a Metroid type game, but the way that it tweaks, the way that it, that you interact with this world is very like it's it's unlike any sort of like metroid quote-unquote metroidvania thing i've ever played so you have this wrench and what that lets you do is there are these little like cogs that you can interact with and they'll move levers around or open doors for you and that sort of thing so the game becomes interacting these small little puzzle rooms and using your items at your disposal to try to make it to the end or find the secret upgrades in the rooms um and then you start to upgrade more aspects of your wrench. So you'll see these like energy lines of of these cogs that are connected by this like el- electric wire. And uh, if they're going to the right, I believe they're blue. If they go to the left, they're red. It might be the other way around. Um, and at first you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with those. I imagine, but because of the nature of these games, you're like, okay, well, I'll get something that will let me interact with that. And eventually you do, and you can use your wrench to then ride those rails. And then the game starts tweaking that in in ways where, like, you have to use those rails to interact with puzzles or defeat enemies. Uh, Like, there's a specific boss in the game where, like, you're in this circular tunnel and this, like, burrowing robot worm is just chasing you around. So, like, when he charges, you have to charge up your wrench and spin around on this electric wire as fast as you can. It's really cool. Uh, the, it's just, God, like, it... It's really well played. It's so good. It, like, the, the combat, uh, and the movement takes a little while to get used to, but once you work out its quirks, like, parrying was one of the weirdest things for me to get down until I realized that it's when you have to hold the button down for the wrench to spin, and that's when Mm. you parry, uh, objects back. But once I got that down, it's just, it's... So, Dave, (sighs) something popped in my head while playing this uh, related to your, your conversation about tiny metal a couple of episodes to, uh, ago, tiny metal yes. being the, uh, the sort of advanced wars esque game that's on steam and switch right now. And you, yes. ta- we talked about how there are these games sort of made in classic molds that are missing the soul of their source material. And, and sometimes right. it's that, you know, the new game just feels rote or it's, it's sort of lacking in character. And the thing that just kept popping in my head while playing Iconoclast is if I saw, if I saw this just in the wild today, or even when those first gifts of it came out 10 years ago, I thought to myself, well, oh, they're making a game in the old style. Like this is a, a callback yeah. to an old style of game and playing it at no point do I ever feel like this is, you know, quote unquote retro? It, it, right. Like it's like for the first five minutes of that game, you're like, Oh, this is what it is. But then once right. you get, I think it's like to the, that first story beat that I was talking about where you're like, Oh, this is doing something else yeah. entirely. Um, and then it just keeps building on that and building on that. Yeah. It's, you know, I, what would you say? What, what is it? about iconoclasts compared to something else that you know i don't i don't want to just sit here because there are just so many games that are the metroidvania yeah. game so I, I don't want to call anything else out to be like that sucks uh but what what is it why does this have the soul and uh, something else doesn't because like that that's it's it's indescribable it is, in, I, it is uh, an in ineffable way but like yeah. it's 
this feels like a game that the creator set out to make because he needed to make yeah. it. Like, he wasn't just like, oh, I want to do my take on Advance Wars. Oh, I, I want to do my take on Metroid Fusion. Oh, I want to... And then just made that game and changed some names around and used a bunch of static images. Like, this guy... Like, you can tell every single pixel of this game he touched mm-hmm. in some way. Every animation was poked at and worked on until it was perfect. Um, characters just, like, there's, like, a... They bounce with, like, a vibrancy and life that so many, even... Like, so many well-done pixel art games, can't, like, don't even yeah. accomplish. Um, and again, like, I wonder if, like, if he had his like had the choice to do it over again like would he spend seven years working on this game uh i don't know the answer to that but i'm i'm glad he did it because i feel like this feels like a game that is worth playing because it's a familiar type of game that like he obviously likes these games because he puts so much effort into making it like the games that he likes but he knows enough how to tweak it and then wraps it all in a story that feels fresh and new and also just of a piece with everything else. Like, every every beat and moment in the game feels good. Dave, have you finished it? Have you beaten it? I am about seven hours in. I just, uh, I, 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 I think I'm at around the two-thirds right. point. It feels like, oh, the, the other thing that I forgot to mention, too, is something that it just really... Oh, it's so cool. So like there's just so many ideas here. It has that like that kind of Nintendo quality where it just like it'll throw an idea out and use it a couple times and then just not do it again because it's like we don't need to force this into the game to like over and over and over to make you do it again, but it, it's in there just enough to make you go like, "Oh man, like what if they made a whole game <laughs> like this?" Uh so uh, you'll get the other characters that you meet in the game also have their reasons for taking down this religious regime. And when they party, when they party up with you, they will, you'll see a little designation in the top right that says party and they'll have your character and what other characters are traveling with you. Normally it just means that they're there for whatever story beats that may occur. They'll like, you'll walk across something that you'll see in the environment and they'll kind of appear outside of you, you know, and they'll talk a bit and then they'll run back inside of you and you'll just go on an adventure normally. Other times they work those characters into the puzzles or the boss fights. So like there's one particular boss fight where, both characters, you and uh, this girl Mina that you end up with, uh, who controls wildly different. Uh, she has like this uh, long range sniper rifle shotgunny thing that you have to like aim and then shoot. Um, you're on the left side, she's on the right side, and you both have to switch back and forth to work together to activate different parts of the scenery to open up an opening for the other character to attack the, the weak spot. Um, just like so many cool things that it just do- it does something like that once and you're just like oh that's really cool and then it it'll just disappear <laughs> for hours until something else happens again and like i just did something uh a boss fight where it was a like a stealth section where you control both characters and they both have to hide in different spots 
And then you have to spot where uh, he is by, like, where he's walking. Like, because he's invisible, but you can see the little leaves moving as he's walking around. So you have to, like, maneuver the characters around so this char- this this boss doesn't see them. And then attack them with the other person. Uh, but if, like, either character is exposed for too long, he'll run up on you and attack you. Uh, and you both share the same health bar. So you have to, like, coordinate your movements to take that- down this boss together. It's just, it's Man. so cool. Uh I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this oh. uh, because there the Arcana class is available on three machines right now, and typically yes. I would be saying there is only one way to play this game, and it's on the PS Vita because come on, the, it's the greatest console ever made. Um, <laughs> I I have been playing it on Vita. I I think it's great on the Vita, but I feel like this is a game that really benefits from playing it on a larger screen. Um, yeah, it looks it looks so good on PS4. Unfortunately, no yeah. cross save. There's cross buy, so if you get it on one, you get the other. But yeah. there's no cross save. Unfortunately, uh, I also heard that like they have nothing to confirm about additional platforms, but they are a oh, please, please looking at other platforms. Come on. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, a Switch version <laughs> it has to be coming. Uh, some of the uh, but yeah, it's it's twenty bucks. It's yeah. worth every penny. It it is a labor of love with every every animation yeah, of pixel the, like i cannot i cannot recommend the cats it at enough. d-pad studio who uh made owl boy a very, very oh yeah, an, yeah another, another another scandinavian metroidvania that style took, that, inspired that took a game. decade to start the, the first the first owl boy trailer came out at the exact same summer that the first iconoclast images came out all the way back in like 2008 i think um yeah. and so the d-pad studio helped out a, you know just sort of get iconoclasts over the finish line and their owl boy is coming to switch and so the you know uh the magic eight ball would probably say ask again later but also outlook is good also also come also on. come on <laughs> come on uh so we're we're heading uh into the end of the show but a little unusual approach we don't typically talk about the news on continue we tend to just talk about the things that we're playing and watching and generally living um if anybody listening would ever like us to talk about news in a more substantial organized way let us know uh you know you can email us dave what is our email address again uh, mail at continuepod. And you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. All three of us are very active on Twitter. Uh, you go to twitter.com slash continuepod and let us know if you want to know about any kind of news things. But there are a bit of... Hold on, oh, hold on. Yes. We mean our, our kind, of, kind news. of news. We're not going to talk about yeah. politics. We're not going to talk... <laughs> yeah, we're, not, we're not weighing in. <laughs> Yo, did you guys try the new Oreo cotton candy flavor? No, shut up. No. We're not we're not doing any of that. Uh, if you do want us to comment on what Dwayne the Rock Johnson was wearing at a premiere, though, I'll do it. I'll be like, that dude looks. Oh, he's just always he's in some it's weird color every tux, time. Always, he does like the navy blue, which is whatever. So since our last episode, a a I I, I don't even know what to call it. A peripheral, a new line of games for Nintendo Switch was announced. Called uh, called Labo, uh, which is short for l- laboratory, and what Labo is, they are games, uh, a series of different games that come with 
cardboard kits for you to construct small machines out of. Uh, like functioning pianos. And you, you put your Switch into these devices that you build out of cardboard, and you can play a piano because the key, the cardboard keys are moving and the infrared sensors in your Switch controllers are sensing where the keys are being pressed and so on and so forth. And these things look cool as hell. You know, I uh, Dave, you wanted to talk about Labo. And I, I feel yeah. like they're, they're, as is typical with the internet, there were a few extreme reactions, but I felt like, as opposed to most Nintendo announcements, when Labo was announced, the general reaction was, hey, cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like th- there were two main reactions, and I think it, it, they happened, they, they, they like branched off from one reaction. The first reaction was, wait, what the hell? And then from there, you were either, okay, I'm 100% on board, or... Uh, this is just a bunch of cardboard bullshit. And I have been struggling to think about why anyone would think the latter. Because I look at this thing and just go, this is the coolest thing. I mean, not maybe not the coolest thing ever, but like just the way that it's taking a thing that you already have and doing weird, cool stuff with it, I think is really novel. And I think Nintendo is going to print money with yeah. these things. Uh, so, I don't know, what do you guys think of, of Labo? Like, I, I saw the trailer, and I was, like, I showed my wife, and then my, my daughter got home from school. I was like, you gotta see this! And then she's like, oh, that robot's awesome! So I was like, okay, I know exactly what I'm getting for her for her birthday now. Uh, so, so, I don't know, what do you guys think about Labo? Is it cool? Is it dumb cardboard? Susan, are you into it? I think it's yeah. brilliant. I mean, do I want it for me? No, not at all. Cause I'm an adult, and if <laughs> you know, and I and and I have a good job, and if I want to uh, learn how to play piano, for example, uh, there's there are more sophisticated ways for me to do that. However, if I had someone younger in my house who wanted to try tinkering with stuff, who wanted to be able to try things in a way that because here's what here's what happens a lot with with parents and kids. Kid wants to try something. Thing will cost a, a chunk yeah. of change. Whatever whatever that is relative to that household's income. And so it it either becomes well no because you're just going to get sick of it in 2 weeks or if they buy it, well what you don't even play with that thing I got you that was so much money. Sure. Right? And then, of course, there's the happy event that, no, you, you spend the money and the kid really gets into it and it, it becomes a big part of their life. And that's that's absolutely wonderful. But there's so much financial pressure uh, against letting kids or young adults, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to say this is only for, you know, middle schoolers or anything like that. There's a lot of financial pressure that prevents that kind of experimentation and reaching out. And is this thing cool? Do I like this? I don't know. That seems neat. I'd like to try it. And that sucks both for the kids and for the parents. So this is a way to allow kids to go in lots of different directions of interest because it's not just what the thing does, it's the making of the thing that does whatever it is. And maybe they go, oh, this is, you know, whatever, it's cardboard, and they throw it away, and they're, okay, well, that's okay. They got the opportunity to try. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Super cool. 
I only had one thought watching that uh, initial trailer for Labo, which was, hey, look, it's Project Robo, and it's not stupid now. <laughs> uh, I, I, yep. I'm not, I, I'm pretty sure it's well covered at this point, but that robot game that you see with Labo, this is not the first time we have seen that. That was one of the three exciting prototypes that Mr. Miyamoto <laughs> wanted to show off Scarecrow oh, to, yeah. to select exciting. press at E3 2014, one of which was the earliest demo for Star Fox Zero. Uh, another was for a sort of tower defense game that came with Star Fox Zero when it was initially released. And then another thing called Project Robo that was a Rock'em Sock'em Robots thing where you controlled a giant robot's two arms with the Wii U gamepad, both through motion controls and the two analog sticks. And it is one of the worst things I have ever played <laughs> at any event ever. <laughs> and, and Reggie Fiume looked at me as I was trying it and he was like, what do you think? And I said, I have to go to the bathroom. And... Oh. <laughs> And the thing is, is all the way up to January of last year, when the Switch's big unveiling came came around, where they showed off the games and what the controllers were really going to do, like that big Switch event last January, Project Robo was still listed as a Wii U release on Nintendo's financial yep. reports. And sure I just was. kept saying, that can't be right. That's... Not a game. And now it is a game. This makes sense. The pro the Project <laughs> Labo thing, like, making a backpack where you're the robot, awesome. That's super cool. You should have never shown it to anyone the old way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Knowing, just... knowing that that is where that came from, though, does make me yeah. wonder how long has this you know, laboratory idea been getting kicked around at Nintendo. And, you know, the Switch just, it, it feels so perfect for this. And it's it's mm -hmm. the only hardware in the world where it would work, you know? Yeah, I wonder I wonder if they were, like, thinking about stuff like this for oh, the yeah. Wii at some point. Because it seemed like, and it just, maybe the tech just wasn't up to snuff or... Like everyone was too busy buying the plastic bullshit that they would look at the cardboard bullshit and yeah. say no. Um, but yeah, I don't like. There's just something about not only like putting together a thing and then seeing that thing work, but also having this game tell you what everything yeah. is doing, not just like like the pieces of it, but the like the 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 building of the thing has instructions and it'll also give you like IR diagrams so you can see exactly how your switch controller is interacting with all the pieces um and all of the different like um i think it's like colored tape or something that the sensor picks up on each of the buttons to know how to work it's just it's the kind of weird crazy thing that i think that only nintendo could make and actually do successfully because I think that, like, like you see companies like Sony try to do these... Like, remember Wonderbook? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember how that was just like, oh, it's 
it's like it's this thing where you interact with the stories and it's cool and then like they made two things did, and Sony did, just like ignore it went it went to the island of ignored Sony toys like uh you know the eye toy and uh eye of judgment and everything else that they do that doesn't immediately sell um but the brilliant thing i think with this and i think like like a lot of people are wondering like well what if this is all they make what if they don't make anymore it's like well okay so labo is a quote unquote platform i guess in the fact that it's just a universal brand for all of this but it's not like you're buying a Labo starter set and expanding on it with other things. Each pack is individual. It stands alone. It ha- the game that it comes with works with the stuff that it comes with. And so if this is all Nintendo releases, like you still have two fun things to play with. It's not like you just bought the starter pack and you're waiting right. for things to expand on it. It's... I think it's it's just it's cool and smart and I can't wait to build stuff. It's with very my kids. it's very very elegant. It is an elegant yeah. sort of endpoint for the uh, peripheral madness of ten years ago with things on the Wii and you know the the music games, whether they're Guitar Hero or Rock Band, and the Toys to Life uh, madness that, that yeah. collapsed under its own weight. You know there was only. So many times you could pl- sell all of these plastic tchotchkes before people were like, no more. And this is, it, it's, it is recyclable rather than disposable. And it's, it's incredibly out. And, and it doesn't take, it doesn't take up a bunch of right. retail space because it's mm-hmm. all packed up and, uh, you know, and you, whatever breaks you can repair. But and I think that like they were talking about like either selling replacement kits or you could probably just right. print up designs and cut them out of whatever Amazon boxes you have yeah. lying around. Um, it's just, man, I like, I like when it's Nintendo's very, weird. It's, yeah. It is very smart, very clean and very cool. Yeah. So because like Dave, the Dave, thing, we got to move on. Uh, Dave, we got to move on. We got to okay. move on. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, speaking of elegant solutions to things, Oh, the, that's Speaking right. of elegant solutions to things, as we're recording this just today, a story hit Polygon uh, that was about how many, many, many different people, many sources, have been indicating that Microsoft knows that it has a dearth of exclusive Xbox software and it needs to bulk that. Sucks. Yeah, not great at that. Um, and... Uh, they're going to clean cool. they're going to clean up that problem by acquiring another software publisher. And the big one in this story is that EA is the target of a possible acquisition from Microsoft. Uh this is entirely possible. Uh EA's market cap these days is 35 billion dollars. They're the healthiest that they have been ever in the history of the company financially. Microsoft has about $130 billion in cash. So, they could do it if they want to. My my questions to the both of you, we're going to lightning round this. Susan, should Microsoft yeah. buy EA? Well, it would print money like it would crazy. Print money. It would print money. It would print money. I don't know. That's just, you know, that's like asking me if white bread should buy mayonnaise. <laughs> Should white bread my, my <laughs> uh, 
cares? <laughs> well, I I actually I have an answer for why I care because I. All right, let me let me let me let me clarify my position so I don't get a whole bunch. Right. Ah, you're yeah. bias. Shut the fuck up with that. First of all, <laughs> whoa. Here's no look, dude. <laughs> you weren't the one who had the literal crazy person after you for years, years plural, because of a review somebody else wrote. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway. Xbox fans, you're a little nutty. You're a little, like, you're maybe a go nut. outside. Okay. Like, <sighs> Microsoft, it appeals to a very particular audience, and they do that very, very well. EA would serve that audience extremely well. It is an aesthetic and a vibe that is of zero interest yeah. to me. Microsoft and the and the the games it pursues and the game types it pursues and the customer it pursues is not in any way interesting to me. It has it's it's they know their customer and they don't do weird yeah. shit anymore. They're not interested in innovating, they're not interested they're they just want to iterate on the same feel and with new technology, that's their jam. It's a valid strategy. EA would very much fit in. Like EA Sports is made mm-hmm. for that, so it would be a perfect fit. I will fall asleep <laughs> at that press conference <laughs> because I don't get, like the one. Th- like the Sea of Thieves will pop up. Like, oh my god! Oh, Sea of Thieves! Oh, please, could you just go to a different? No. Okay, I'm gonna go oh, back to napping just, now. I can like just that's it. See the rise of emotion and the crash, Susan, when you see the trailer that begins with all Viva Pinata characters and ends with oh. the reveal that Viva Pinata costumes are in FIFA 2020. Oh, <laughs> just <laughs> that that I would I would play FIFA for that. I'm not gonna lie. So, Man, have a, a horstachio out there on the pitch? That'd be I, I awesome. Joke. I joke. Although I think that that's the kind of thing that would benefit both companies in this. Here, here, I, okay. So yes, everything you just said about why it would sort of make sense from a, a brand perspective is totally right. And I'm with you also. Like, the aesthetic of both of those companies and what they do, I understand the, the, the uh, reason that people would enjoy those things. It's not for me. Most of the time. Microsoft still does things every now and again that I find interesting. However, here here is why I think, A, I, I think that this should happen, and B, why I think it's interesting, is that Microsoft has been, Xbox specifically, under Phil Spencer over the past few years, has been turning into something else. And they keep trying to do it quietly because when they tried to change too much all at once, people flipped out with the with the True. always online console, etc. And they've been making quiet yeah. moves to make Xbox not a box, but a an and I swear to God, I'm not making an Andrew House joke, but an ecosystem. And and the quiet yeah. ways that they have been doing this are things like buying Minecraft and still requiring you to use Xbox Live. Like an Xbox Live name. You can just play. You don't have to pay for Xbox Live, but you need an Xbox Live name to play Minecraft 
and Minecraft is still on everything under the sun. It's PC, it's Xbox, it's freaking PlayStation Vita, it's on everything. Or also saying, look, every single one of our major games is going to be on Windows, as well as our console. Doesn't matter what it is, if you want to play Gears of War or Dude Bro Gun Times, that is going to be on... <laughs> Dude Bro Gun Times. <laughs> Dude Bro Gun Times too. Dude Bro for real. Uh, that, that'll be on Windows as well as Xbox. And then recently, just, just a week ago, the Xbox Game Pass subscription, yep. which is a, a Netflixy. Yeah. And I have been saying for a year and a half now that by the next decade... The Xbox brand will still be around, but it will not refer primarily to a console. I think there will continue to be a piece of hardware, but if they bought EA, that would cement them for that would that would give them the firm foothold they need to complete this transformation into truly something else in the video game space where they're not pushing hardware as the primary core of this publishing empire. They will beat Steam at their own game because they'll really have a stable of internally developed things that people actually want. You know, it's not just like Dota and uh, hats and nothing else forever. It, it'll be <laughs> FIFA and Halo and Madden and all of those many, many, many different things. And it will also be, you know, this service that you provide. And I can envision a scenario where maybe not on PlayStation 4, but on PlayStation 5, you can have Xbox Game Pass, provided you're willing to pay a price for it. And I think it's cool. I like to see this kind of diversification um, in the big business end of the video game world, because people keep talking about over and over and over again, the, the economic model for the big, big, big boy games is not sustainable. And, you know, you're going to keep seeing things like Amy Hennig's Star Wars game canceled because of the cost of these things. And this is a completely different economic model that would be really successful and just putting a whole bunch of Need for Speed and Madden and Battlefield all in one little pool would really cement it as viable. Yeah, Bioware's new game too. Oh, Bioware's like, not going mean... to exist in two years. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's... <laughs> Although, it I don't know. That was disrespectful. <laughs> but it comes... From... I mean, that would be really uh, interesting full circle, though, because Bioware was once uh, a Microsoft company. Yeah. yeah. Went to EA. Because, yeah, uh, remember, uh, was it Knights of Republic, Jade Empire... And uh, Mass Effect were all published right. on Xbox by yeah. Microsoft. Then they got bought by EA. And then they would get bought by Microsoft again. So, I don't know. Maybe that's what would save Dave, them. Dave, do you want to see this happen? Do you care? I mean, you know what? Like, like, like Susan said, the games that EA makes, I don't really want to <laughs> play. I am not the kind of... I'm not the audience for a Madden. Uh, I think the things that they've... That that Star Wars Battlefront uh, generally just looks like a bland bowl of water soup. Uh, it's I a, it's a bowl of Mountain Dew cereal. Yeah, it's I just I like I don't 
the games that they make now are very they, they are not the same company that they were during the 316 ps3 three days when they were making stuff like dead space or the first mirrors exactly yeah. everything exactly. that they do now is focus tested to help not that they weren't before but like it just it feel like you can feel it now uh and and everything is done to maximize profit as much as possible and you know what they want to make those games i don't agree with it but if that's what they want to do, I don't have to buy them. That said, if Microsoft, if the Xbox is the only place that you can play Madden, that's going to be huge for them. I, I just don't. That will never happen. Or. That will never, ever, ever. No, will that will never, never happen. No. It, it will never happen. But, or, or if EA makes games for PS4 and that company is owned by microsoft microsoft is making a cut yeah, of that exactly money. yeah so, I, I, yeah i i could i you know what like if they've got the like they bought minecraft i wouldn't spend that much money on minecraft but like they did it and more power to them if they want to buy ea i wouldn't spend that much money but more power to them and i think it's i think it's a good business move for them to do it uh it is but it is also like susan said very emblematic of the direction that their projects are taking outside of like their ID and yeah. Xbox stuff, like the like the Cupheads and Full Metal Furies and other kinds of games that they're the, the little games that they're working on that they like Cuphead was a fluke that yeah. sold two million copies. Like remember the summer of Xbox? Oh, yeah, that was remember 10 that years stuff. Ago. Like I. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. Like, this is... I had so many XPLA games that I just adored. They were weird. They were... They were trying mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's... I mean, and that's all gone. And I understand why. Like, I get it. You cannot fault a business for making smart business mm-hmm. decisions. They went with what made them money. Okay. The stuff that makes them money is not shit I play. It's not stuff I'm interested in playing yeah. ever like, even, like, I played the first Gears. I was into it. And then the second Gears was more Gears. And then Gears, Gears 3 was... is great. Gears 3 is a great game. That's the game in that series. More I ge- swear. Uh, I promise. Okay. <laughs> cool. I've, I've played, uh, I played the first three Halos. That was a Fine. long, that was a long one, hallway in those three Halos. That hallway. Right? Like, <laughs> that hallway I mean, went on forever. The, like, the original Halo is is I loved it. It was great. But then like after a while there's a there's a sameness there. And that's of course I mean that's true of most huge franchises because you have to change it just a little to make it feel fresh, but not so much that people start bitching at you. So I again, I get it. I don't think those games are bad. I don't think you're you're basic if you play them. They're very well made. They're just not my jam. If you play Battlefield, you're basic. Here's a good... Okay, that's here's true. Here's a good business decision. <laughs> Let me lay it out. Here's a good business decision. Giving $1 to patreon.com slash continue podcast. That is a place that you can go if you're listening to this and you're not a backer. Uh, $1 is an amazing thing that helps this show happen. Uh, every two weeks, we are trying to get to 750 of those dollars every single month to make this into a weekly show. So if you're listening to this and you're not a backer, don't worry about it. If you're not, we're just happy that you listen to it. But if you can spare a dollar, that would be 
totally righteous. Yeah. Uh, if you are one of our backers and you haven't already just 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 ruined your reputation with friends and family, telling them to listen to us three nerds, um, <laughs> hey, you know, do mm. it. Just just go for the gusto. <laughs> Uh, just be just, really obnoxious just, just be about the it. worst just... the entire time because look at us we're the worst and you want to hear this podcast all the time <laughs> we're the best uh no that that came out wrong we're kind of okay there we go i i evened it out uh you can also follow us on various places you go to twitter.com slash continue pod uh, facebook.com slash continue pod but dear god why would you want to do that and uh, follow us at twitch.tv slash continue podcast because more is going to be happening there and Dave who are the wonderful people that make this show happen already yes um, if it, we are grateful for all of our patrons but if you are backing us at the $10 uh, level or higher uh, I will give you a shout out on the show which is what i'm going to do right now so thank you very much to uh mirko Rico torino john ryan brady peter ryan mance denton brock ellie odare logan Pauly, ludwig kitzman storm shot double taco gluttony one of seven francisco urias guimareas kaylin houston axel olsen mangholt tyler nilsen shane nilsen fossi sayan yaddle Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bullet Bobom Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom, Derek Sanskrit, Nick Grugan, and Damian Michalis. And uh, yeah, any uh, any amount over five dollars will get you access to our exclusive Discord channel, where we all hang out and talk and have fun times and convince me to buy games <laughs> that I have no business to be. Yeah, the, yeah, I just got Monster Hunter World, by the way. So, oh god, thank you, Discord. Uh, also, thanks to Discord for getting me into Drop Mix, which you heard about on the last episode. So, uh, yeah, join Discord and uh, tell me to buy games. I guess that's what you do. Um, Dave, where can they follow you? Well, yeah. Uh, I'm on the Twitters at David Robots. That's where I, I, I hang out most and of the time. And where do you peddle and, your wares? Uh, you can find my yeah, you can find my work on Genie Online, a website about magic and deception that is run by our very own Susan R. Susan, where can people read your words about video games these days? Uh, you can read my words about video games every week on Pocket Gamer, where they let me tell you about mobile games that maybe you haven't heard about or you missed when they came out. Last week, I wrote about a really, <laughs> wow, it's a little way more on point now than when I originally played it. Uh, it's a game called Black Bar. Highly recommend it. Oh, and where can people find you otherwise? Oh, otherwise, you can uh, find me on Twitter. I love talking to people. It's at Susan Arndt. If you don't know how to spell my name by now, I can't help you, honestly. Uh, and uh, I, I, uh, I write some stuff for Genie online as well. Uh, and you guys can find me at a John Agnello on Twitter. Um, I love talking to people. Honestly, if you DM me, expect 50 paragraphs back because it's just the way it's going to go. Uh, you can also hear me on another podcast called Video Game Grooves that is all about video game music on vinyl. And you can read me writing about video games at the AV Club and VentureBeat.com. Uh, all right, everybody, we will see you again in two weeks. And wow, it's just going to segue seamlessly into a backer section. And if you want oh. in on that dog, 
you know, we already told you all that information. You can do it if you want to or not. Yeah. All right. No, seriously, you're basic if you like Battlefield. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.